Hello, golf fans, and welcome to a special Masters theme edition of the Big D Podcast. Before I announce today's special guest from Boston, please subscribe, like, share, comment, or maybe hit a driver off the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page where you can see not just this interview, but you never know what to expect. It might be swimmers, might be golfers, it might be, oh wait, betting experts. So, uh, you never know what to expect. So, uh, speaking of betting experts, live from Boston this afternoon is a DraftKings betting expert, betting and DFS expert, Reed Fowler. Reed, uh, did you bring your driver, three wood, or a putter? <laughs> All three, Dylan, are with. Hey, thanks for having me on the Big T podcast, or Big D podcast, excuse me. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, all of my clubs right now are in storage. Well, I took them out of storage. I had to use them for a commercial shoot that I was doing, and then I put them back in storage. It's getting a little bit warmer here. We're close. Dude. We're close. I know where you are. It's summer year-round, but up here in New England, we're getting close, so I have to dust off dust off the clubs, and uh, I'll probably, if I had to bring one club, it'd probably be the putter, right? Drive for show, putt for dough, bud. Oh, yeah, especially, especially this week, because you know what this week is. Oh, yeah, it's the Masters, man. Yep, it's Masters week. And uh, thankfully, the Masters is happening at its usual time and place on the calendar because this time last year, it didn't seem right not having the Masters in April. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird, right? It was was weird because the entire last year was weird. And, you know, I I think all of us, all golf fans, you know, you and I included – we wanted something. Uh, we were getting golf, but you know we were creatures of habit, especially in the industry, right? Where courses are played at the same uh, same place, usually the same course. Maybe you get some um, tournaments that go to different places, but especially for Augusta National, we know it's this, it's April again for us, where we check the weather in the morning as part of our morning routine. It's the it's the sign of spring is coming. Like we're we're getting out of winter. We're thawing from the ice and the snow. Um, and so all of that is, is synonymous with, uh, with golf and with the Masters. So when you take that away and you move it to November, then we're all like, well, what's going on? Is this the signal of winter coming, right? Is, is winter finally coming? And I get Jon Snow on the line and ask him if Masters in November means winter is here. But, you know, Dustin Johnson winning in November, Dylan, you can probably attest to this. And he played lights out. Is it going to be the same this year? Probably not. Right, it's probably not going to be the same. So it's it's interesting to see what happened last year in November. How many people either fade that, or how many people chase that? I'm in the camp of potentially chasing, especially for uh, GPP tournaments, chasing the guys that did well in November because so much of the narrative is going to be, well, it's not the same, right? It's not the same course, it's not the same conditions. But if you play well at Augusta, no matter what time of the year, you're 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 going to get a market. You're going to get a little star on Fantasy National on my list for this year. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of last year's Masters, I, I have never seen a golfer tear apart Augusta like DJ. Oh. I mean, he may – I mean, yeah, it was soft. Yeah, it was probably the easiest Masters course we've ever seen. But DJ ate Augusta for lunch, dinner, and maybe the <laughs> – maybe the uh, maybe it will say dessert for the champion's dinner. Yeah, exactly. Right, this champion's dinner is probably going to be what? Just a sandwich, maybe some chips. Like, he doesn't care. He's not going to waste his time. Or maybe he does. Who knows, right? But you're right. 
I mean, Dustin Johnson last year, what he gained? Just over 19 strokes total at, at Augusta. It was a master class in how to tear apart Augusta National. And then now, how do we get other Dustin Johnsons this week, maybe at lower ownership, maybe at higher odds? We mentioned it earlier um, in terms of the betting odds. You know, where is the best value? And I think there are a couple of guys that I hope we get into in a little bit uh, that we can talk about. But yeah, DJ, like I was not playing extremely well leading into this tournament. But, I mean, he's the best in the world for a reason. Yeah, I mean, DJ didn't look great at the players. I'm not sure we can take much into the match play event no. because it is match play. And other than maybe the Ryder Cup, do you think DJ cares about match play? Mm. <laughs> Especially when Kevin Noss starts chirping at him, right? Especially when Kevin Noss says, is starting to teach DJ about the rules, which Kevin Noss was in, excuse me, Kevin Noss was in, you know, complete within his rights to say, hey, you got to wait until I give you the putt. But that's not going to matter. Like, DJ's not going to care. At that point, I think it was, Dylan, where you saw DJ be like, you know what, it is what it is. If I don't win this pot, if I don't win this tournament, okay, I'm going to defend my Masters tournament in, uh, next week. And then, he, and, then he tr- and then he sort of entered the Vallejo, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to Augusta. Right. <laughs> he kind of, like, haphazardly did it. And he's like, what was I thinking, right? Like, he sent, like, the, the text message, or he sent the email – and then uh, three seconds later, he tried to press undo, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't do it in time, and so he had to tweet it out. No. Yeah. So now we get to this year's Masters, and uh, before we talk about some DFS options, we've got to talk yeah. about betting. And uh, I think DJ's odds are what uh, nine to one or like plus nine fifty. If you look on, I've got the odds up on the uh, DK Sportsbook. DJ yeah. plus nine fifty. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau at plus 11.50. And then the uh, maybe the most interesting name in the field this week, uh, Jordan Spieth finally got that monkey off his back. Yeah. 80, what, 83 tournaments or whatever it was, or 82 tournaments uh, where he didn't win. Yeah. I mean, he's right up there, right? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these top guys. I think my favorite – you know, of the top tier, right? I would say the tier starts at DJ, obviously, and then it stops at Justin Thomas, those five guys. Um, my favorite of that group is Bryson DeChambeau, right? At plus 1150, like you could argue that him, like Dustin Johnson, Bryson, and probably John Rahm, all three of those guys could be the same odds, right? All three of those guys could be the same odds, and we wouldn't be like, this is weird, or this shouldn't be the case. Bryson has is, is been one of the best players. I think he has been the best player over the last two dozen rounds, tee to green, um, in this entire field. John Rahm is a top five, top ten machine, and Dustin Johnson is Dustin Johnson. So if I'm looking at those three, right, John Rahm plus 1250 coming off of the birth of his son. Um, and so he's coming off of that. So he might, I don't know, he might be a little tired, might get a little baby bump. I don't know. I don't know the case with what he's doing, dealing with. But Bryson's right there, plus 1150. We know how great he is with the driver. But Dylan, he's amazing with, these, with his irons. If you look at what he's done over the past two dozen rounds with his irons, he's top 12. He's a great bent grass green putter. We don't need to talk about how well he's going to do on these par fives. The assumption is he's going to score on these par fives, which is what you need to do. I'm thinking that minus 13 to minus 15 win this golf tournament. And if he's burning you know, 75% of the par fives for the entire tournament, you know, he's going to have a good shot, and that's what the driver does for him. That's what he's been able to do. Now, his experience at Augusta 
hasn't been experience. Yeah, lack of experience, right? Or his success, better yet, hasn't been of the of the ilk of the other guys up there. And so maybe we're getting a little a discount, right? Eleven fifty is not really a discount. Eleven to one is not a discount in golf. But I think Bryson's my favorite. Who's your favorite up here? Uh, Bryson's interesting because if you look at what he's done, particularly in the floor swing, he won API yeah. and contending at the players. And uh, yeah. I actually, I would probably look at the and even the API is not a, a necessarily a great track. It is a good field. It's certainly better than some of these other fields like Speed One yesterday. But one problem that I see with Bryson. Look at what look at what Bryson did last year at the U.S. Open. What did Wingfoot have? Long, thick, rough. Yeah. What does Augusta not not have? Long, yeah. thick, rough. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not hacking like, ha- on the fescue at Augusta. Yeah, it's a pine straw, right? It's the pine straw that she like. It's not going to be as penal. And we've seen guys look like. Phil Mickelson is probably the best at this or, or who has the most knowledge from the, from the pine straw at Augusta national is saying, like, if you don't get it behind a tree, like it's pretty, it's pretty easy. And, and, and you, I use the term easy, really like, you know, with relativity here, like easy is there's nothing easy about Augusta national, but this is a course where, you know, if you're not in the fairway, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to destroy you. If you're not Bryson and you're not 370 down the fairway in thick rough where you can use a nine iron or use a wedge to hack it out there, get on the ball a little bit, these guys in the U.S. Open are hitting five, six, maybe even seven irons out of the thick fescue into small, very fast greens at the U.S. Open. Like Bryson just had a clear you know, advantage just hitting it down there and getting it. Matt Wolf did the same thing, right? They were both one and two there. So I hear what you're saying. Um and if that's the case, then probably JT, right? JT probably presents a, a lot of upside here. He was fourth in November's contest. He was fourth, Dylan, last in, no, in November, and he didn't play great at all. No, no. Not at all. So he's someone to take a look at. Maybe more DraftKings, though, right? Yeah, but but one problem with Justin Thomas we've seen, he can be a little hot and cold with the putt. I mean, he won yep. the players. But – you know, he hasn't necessarily putted well at Augusta. I mean, top four, but, I mean, think of 2019 where JT really wasn't in contention dealing with that bum wrist. And then uh, yep, I think Thomas, and uh, speaking of Justin Thomas, we'll talk about uh, DFS plays. Uh, I think everybody will be on him this weekend. Uh, a guy I'm really interested betting-wise this weekend uh, – the biggest question may be whether this guy plays is Brooks Kepka. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's Brooks Kepka at 2,800 right now in the DK Sportsbook. Man, like he, you probably, and this is probably something you can present to your listeners as well. At what number is Brooks? And I think Mayo, Pat Mayo, uh, he tweeted this out as well. And he's exactly right. Like, why, what number is Brooks just a auto bet? Right. I mean, plus 2,800. For Brooks, he finished what second here a couple of years ago um, in 2019. Like he's he's just one of the best, and now he's coming in where he's coming in with some extra motivation, which he doesn't need. Um, of guys like Brad Faxon saying his recovery, we're not going to see him for another six to eight months. And what does he do? He enters in the tournament, the Masters, right after that comment comes out. Like we know Brooks, like he needs that extra 
little push, even if it's at a major, to get there. Would, would, would any of us be surprised if he's up there competing with these guys? Absolutely not. Um, at $2,800, I don't think Xander Shoffley should be, you know, above Brooks. I get why he is, but, you know, that's sort of always a thing with Xander. But, yeah, Brooks is very interesting. And if you look at Brooks and when he's played, not if he's played, but when he's played, he's been great. I mean, he won the, ter- he won the tournament of fans, did well the tournament just at the yeah. uh, World Golf Championship just up the road from me in Sarasota. So it's the question if Brooks's knee can hold up the full rounds at Augusta where you've got undulations all, all around the place. I mean, thankfully, there won't be – the rough won't be bad, so hopefully he won't – he'll avoid a – Yep. Scenario. But when Tiger came back from his knee injury at the 08 US Open, he he won. So could it be an omen for Brooks come back from the knee injury? Yeah, oh yeah. The Masters, right? Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, and look, again, none of us would be surprised. This guy is a big game hunter. Like he's Brooks looks at these major tournaments and he like his motivation to win is is you know i wouldn't say it's second to none but he definitely gears up when it's when it's major season and this is you know this is the start of it yeah and so now now we switch from the betting side to the dfs side and uh could you explain the difference between a gpp tournament like the millionaire and a single entry or yeah. a cash game yeah so cash game right like the the top 50 um, you know, in the contests get paid. So it's not, it's not like, uh, like in GPPs where it's the, the price differential of where you win, it can change drastically in cash. You just need to be in that top, that top half, right. Of, of competitors. And you win the same amount, you win the same amount that first place does that, you know, the last person in that range can win. So when you're playing cash, it's, it's less about roster percentage. It's less about ownership and sediment. It's more about the consistency, right? Um, can I get these guys in the lineup that are going to get me to that ownership, or excuse me, get me to that, that placing to where I'm going to cash um, and make my money back? Might be, be a, it might be a double up, right? So if you put in $10, uh, that's what you get back. And so you're doubling up your investment. Um, so it's less about roster percentage, less about strategy in terms of, of golfer sentiment. Single entry is exactly what it sounds like, Dylan. It's single entry is you got one lineup maximum in that contest. What I always attribute it to is like, you know, when you're playing like Call of Duty and stuff like Halo and you're playing on like the, like the highest level where like just a single nick is, you know, it, 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 it takes you out. That's what single entry is. Like you have one entry, you can't be playing, you know, it's not a multi-mass entry. It's not an MME where you got 150 lineups in there from the same person or it's a little bit more of a, you know, you know, you, you can diversify a lot of your lineup. Single entry is that, is that, that's it. You know, roster percentage doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter as much. It still can matter in terms of what players you want to target, but single entry is just that. In GPPs, it's a guaranteed price pool. And then by tier, right, number one, your payouts, depending on what contest you're entering in DraftKings, your payouts can be extremely high. Um, but only a certain amount of people win, right? If it's, you know, let's, let's just say, for example, it's a thousand, um, a thousand people can enter in this tournament in a GPP, usually only a certain select number of people win. Let's just say, for example, that's the 300, you know, the top 300 players, the 300th person will get 
a substantially less amount than number one. The, 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 you know, the allure of that is if you win a GPP, you're winning a lot of money. The, you know, the, the downside to that is you're going to have to play you know, a little bit more strategy where Ross percentage comes into play, or you're going to have to play a little bit more chess than checkers. You're going to have to play a little bit more against your competitors um, in that contest to see, okay, well, if John Rahm is going to be heavily rostered, do I fade him for Rory, who's not? If Rory hits, your lineups are going to do better. Um, and so GPPs, a little bit more risk involved, higher payout, higher reward, cash games, less risk. Um, you're making the same amount of money as first place. Like, yeah, you know, if you're the last person to place in that tier and then single entry is that's just it. You got a single entry and you got to hope, pray and cross your fingers and cross your toes to make sure that hits. Yeah. Yeah. For the masters, it seems so, it's so, it's so unique building lines yeah. because usually in a in a non-masters major, if you get six to six, you you're catching ninety-nine percent of the time. But at Augusta, six to six yep. won't be enough. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and you're you're exactly right, because top fifty and ties make it, right? Within ten strokes of the lead, also. Uh, there's eighty-eight players. And so this is by by percentage wise, it's the highest the highest amount of players make the the cut by percentage. Not by number, potentially, right? Because other fields have twice as much. But by percentage, this is a field that you see a lot of the players. So you, you know, it's a prerequisite that if you want to cash in GPPs, um, you're going to need six six-year lineup. And if you want to win the, the million maker, you want to be number one, you're going to have to have the winner in your lineup. And then probably a couple in the top five, and then all your golfers probably in the top 15 or 20 at worst. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you can't, like you can, like if you want to win, right, the big money. Um, if you look at last year's winner, like, and even like if you, if you take a look at tournaments um, on DraftKings, right, when people who win, they usually have a, a considerable amount of people that are in um, the top 10. You can potentially get like the players, you know, you saw some guys maybe in the top 15, top 20, depending on if they were guys who are making a ton of birdies, right? Finishing place doesn't necessarily matter as much as drafting scoring. Um, because those necessarily don't correlate always one-to-one. Like first place in the tournament is usually first place in drafting scoring, but you might see some differentiation between like fifth place in the tournament and who was fifth place in drafting scoring because maybe they made a ton of birdies, but they just made more bogeys than the other guys. So um, that's also something to note, like what you were mentioning, that you have to get, you have to get your guys, especially here inside the top 10 pretty much. Yeah, I'm thinking back to not last year, but the 2019 Masters. I don't think the millionaire won. I don't think Tiger was in the winning millionaire line. I'm not 100%, but I don't think Tiger was in the winning millionaire line. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I, I want to like, say he was, but yeah, I, I can't remember at all. I don't think he was, but uh, now we look at this year's Masters and uh, one one tool I've been using the last few days making lineups is a fantasy fantasy national where you can like make where you can like make all the lineups and uh, by golly right now <laughs> can you take a wild guess I know you're cheating right now can you take a wild guess who the number one guy is the number one guy in roster in ownership in ownership projections right now shoot uh, Jordan Spieth. Number three. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. I like this game. Number, uh, okay. 
Ooh, some whenever Mayo's article comes out, everyone <laughs> usually gets a bump on Fantasy National. So I'm trying to re- it's not it can't be web. No, um, no. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, may, maybe maybe Bryson? No. It's like Bryson Bryson's only at a six top ten. Fifteen, yeah. sixteen percent. Huh. Then yeah, I have I have no idea. Uh, I, I would have guessed it was Jordan, but I would have guessed it. I would have guessed it would have been Jordan, especially after yesterday. But uh, yeah. Justin Thomas. Yeah, people are relying on the uh, the Players Championship win. Um, his price tag ten six, right? He's not he's not as expensive as the other guys. Um, yeah, he was fourth place last year. I get it. I, I get why he's there. But maybe then that's just it, right? Going off your last question. Is there, is there a viable option to fade JT, pay up for Bryson, um, or pay down for Rory or Xander, and, and completely fade someone like JT, who you know, like you just mentioned at the beginning of our show, that his putter can, can go cold. What if he gets a cold putter here and he misses a cut? Like, that's probably not going to happen because he's, you know, he's in great form. But, man, what if that happens and Rory did what he did last year, or he goes top five? Or so you've got something that you have to, to consider. What if instead of missing the cut, Justin Thomas finished T18 and Roy finally wins the Grand Slam this yeah. week? Oh, I think you're going to see a lot of happy people because what is Rory coming in at on Fantasy National? Ooh. It's probably around 10-11%, uh, if not less. Rory is at 11.1%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think – I think more and more people are going to talk about how Rory is a fade this week. And I would argue, and his odds on DK Sportsbook, plus 1,900, you know, buying the dip, right, Dylan? We're gonna, we got to buy the dip, sell the top. And if Rory's at plus 1,900, I'm pretty sure this is close to the bottom. I, I mean, maybe we see him if he completely falls off the face of the earth, which I don't think is going to happen. He's just too good of a player that we might see him start to get into the plus 2,000, the 20 to 1 range. But boy, like Rory at plus $1,900 at Augusta after a top five, if I told you and you didn't know anything about what Rory has done since then, I said Rory got a top five in his last Masters. He's at plus 1,900, and he's one of the low – again, he's just above $10,000 in DraftKings. You'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and look, we can't take it into a vacuum and say – Oh, none of the other stuff matters because it definitely does. But guys, just Jordan has said it a million times. You just feel a certain way here at Augusta National that like just gets you back into form. And Rory, if he like if he doesn't win, we're not going to be surprised. If he does win, we're not going to be surprised. But top five, top ten at eleven percent, maybe closer to ten percent. Yeah, I mean that deserves one lineup if you're making multiple lineups. Yeah, so uh, who are your favorite DFS options this week? Yeah, um, good question because that's gonna it's gonna dictate a lot. So I got Bryson and, and Rom at the top. Um, I think I think building two guys up above ten thousand is the way to go. Um, last year's winner, I believe, ten two guys were above ten thousand, and then the other four were in the bottom seven thousand dollar range. So I'm gonna give you guys a couple as well down there. But I like Rom and DeChambeau. If I had to rank those two. Maybe DeChambeau first, then John Rahm. I think a lot of people are going to fade Rahm off of the baby news. Like, oh, he's tired, a new dad. I think that's baloney because I think Rahm's just an amazing player. If we go down another range, I really like Patrick Reed at $9,300. 
I think with Jordan Spieth winning, Dylan, with him winning, I think a lot of that, yeah, his a lot of people are going to take off of, of Patrick Reed, go $100 more to Jordan Spieth, and then try and stay somewhere else, right? Maybe they go to the, the, like a little bit lower in the 7K range. So I like Patrick Reed. We know what he does here. He's played well here, obviously, uh, as, as a past winner and just has one of the best short games in the entire PGA Tour. Going down all the way, there's some guys in the 8K range that I like. I think Sanjay, Daniel Berger are guys you can consider. I'm trying to stay away from the 8K range because right now I feel like that's a tricky one that you, you could see some guys, right? They're kind of in form. Maybe they don't have the greatest course experience, but they're, they're right there. I think that's sort of a dead zone for me personally. A lot of great players there. But here are two guys um, in the 7K range that I really like. Okay. I like Justin. Okay. I like Justin Rose. Give me okay. Justin Rose, Dylan, at seventy-two hundred dollars. He's not. He's been playing like you know what for the last handful of months, or excuse me, weeks. Um, so this is not a current form play at all. But this is course history since twenty sixteen. The last what is it, or even probably even dating further back than that. Um, there's only been a handful of guys that have gained more strokes than him since that over that time frame. And three of those guys are above $10,000. So getting J. Rose, getting Rosie at $7,200, it's more of a current form play. Would we be surprised if he misses the cut? No, because he's been, he's been playing bad and he withdrew with back injuries over the, like, the last two tournaments. One, I believe, at API, and then he didn't play the players to get geared up for the Masters. We know that he schedules his, his gear around these majors. So I really like Justin Rose. What about Joaquin Neiman? Seventy four hundred dollars, Dylan. He's the one of the best players off the tee on tour. We know that. He's also really good at bent grass green putting. We know that. He's only got one start here, and it was a it was a cut back in two thousand and eighteen. So he has two rounds. He qualified for twenty twenty or yeah twenty twenty's November edition, but he got COVID and he couldn't. He had to withdraw from Augusta. I think that when you look at everybody else in the 7K range, you're going to see some names like Paul Casey, Jason Day, Louis Oosthuizen, a lot of players who have great course history here. And Joaquin Neiman, I don't think he goes unnoticed, but I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes in the top 15, top 20. I don't think he wins. If he does, fantastic. But I think you're going to see him potentially at lower roster percentage and a guy who can perform uh, and get, get himself in the top 15, top 20, which is all we need for someone at this price range. And if you look at and if you look at it, I want good drivers, but I want streaky putters at Augusta because what because I'm hearing yep. I'm hearing the same things you all. These greens look like the fastest I've ever seen at Augusta. Yeah. Right. One hundred percent. And you're you're like and, and we know too, right? Look at what Joaquin Neiman has done in strong fields. Like he, he, you know, like with other players set, if he, if we see him there Saturday, Sunday at the top and we see other guys like DJ Brooks, Webb Simpson, like he's been there. He did that at the tournament of champions. He almost won, not saying they're the same at all, but that's when you see this correlation of players who play well at TOC, play well at Augusta, play well. Like you start to see some trends here. And Joaquin Neiman is a young player. Like you mentioned streaky on the greens. But, boy, if he gets that driver going and those irons are firing like they have been, his ball striking, what, he's 10th right now in ball striking in the last 24 rounds? 
like I, I, I love him in this range if people are going to gravitate a little bit higher in the 7K range or a little bit lower to save, right, to save that money for the top guys. He's right at that price tag that I think he's, people, are, people might. I don't know if they will. Just kind of gloss over him. So if you were making so if you were making 150 lineups, how would you like to diversify your lineups so then you don't have any duplicates and you've got like different varieties of like yeah. balance bill, maybe stalls and scrubs. We've got two guys in the tin, but mm-hmm. how much do you, how how many lines would you have that? How many lines would you have yeah. balance built? And how much would you and how would you use the entire 50,000 salary cap space? Yeah, really, really good questions. Um, this is more game theory, right, which is so important in, in, in DraftKings. Less, less in, in, in betting, right? You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, but I would probably go Stars and Scrubs here. And the reason being, right, is that Stars and Scrubs, like I mentioned uh, just a while ago, last year's tournament, we saw that, I believe there was a half, I can't remember the exact number, but I think like close to half of the top 10 who finished in DraftKings scoring uh, were below $7,500. I think there was, or maybe four out of 10 around there, 40 to 50% of the top 10 were below $7,500. And when you take a look at that, um, obviously you're going to see the, what their other lineups were constructed with, which was guys in the 10K range. This tournament is usually won by the studs right? We need the winner. We need guys who are going to play well. They're usually won by the studs, these top five or six guys. Doesn't mean that another player can't come out of the the woodworks and win, but that's the case. Most people will probably gravitate towards balance because there's so many good names here. You see, you know, Will Zalatoris at $7,300. You see Tommy Fleetwood at 8K. You see Adam Scott, Paul Casey, Bubba Watson in $7,000 range. You see Corey Connors below 7K. Right. Um, and so a lot of people are going to look to play balance because they want to get these names in their lineup and they might not want to play the Billy Horschels and the Max Homas and the Justin Roses um, along with those guys. But look what happened with the players. Right. We saw the Brian Harmons do well. Um, these guys who are here can play extremely well. And so I'm probably going more stars and scrubs, staying away from like trying to chase the chalk. If I'm chasing the chalk, I'm going heavy overweight. If I'm playing Justin Thomas, I'm going like three. Like if he's if he's rostered at twenty percent, I want to get him in like thirty-five to forty percent of my lineups because I want to make sure that I'm getting above those guys uh, that also have uh, Justin Thomas. And so I'm going more stars and scrubs. Uh, I'm going to more game theory and trying to fade guys um, that potentially are these these chalk bombs that could potentially be one of those few that missed the cut. So I'm going to do more stars and scrubs. Uh, how much would you? How much would you spend? Would you try and spend fifty, or maybe leave a few? Oh yeah, uh, no, I would spend under. Um, I, I always try to spend under. Um, I, I never try to get fifty k, because what also too to mention, right? And you probably know this as well, since you've been you've been playing DFS for a long time. The Masters is one of the more public events that we see, where the casual player will want to enter in a DraftKings lineup, right? We don't see that usually at the RBC. Heritage, which is a great tournament. We don't usually see that elsewhere. It's usually at the Masters. And so you're going to get the casual people. And Tiger Woods not being here maybe, you know, decreases that a little bit. Um, hope he's, he's recovering well. But you go see a lot of casual players do that. And they're going to want to spend every single penny and not waste money. 
to differentiate your lineups and to not to stay away from those dupe lineups, it's to to spend less than fifty k. Yeah, there are some lineups where I've where I've saved like like one lineup I've got a John Rom, Colin Morcal, Paul Casey, Rudy Gary Woodland, Kevin Knott, and have nine hundred left over. There you go. There you go. That's how you got to differentiate yourself um, if you want to win it big. And look, uh, one thing to know before we before we leave here, Dylan, which I also think is vastly important as opposed to what we just talked about, what you just said, is that sh- you know shrink your your player pool. Right? We have eighty eight players here. Um, I would try and make sure my core players and the players that I'm playing are small, and it's not. I'm not playing forty of the eighty eight players in my lineup. Right, because then you're you're essentially boxing your own self out. I think that, I don't, the right the number to how many players you want to play is specific to you and to everyone else. There's no magic number, but I would try and sh- and really have conviction about these golfers that you really like. Shrink shrink that core of players, and then you either win big or you lose big. Right, if your players do well and you have a bunch of those players, you're overweight on JT, you're overweight on Brooks, you're overweight on these players and you're playing those guys, and then you're scattershotting it down low in the other, you know, the 7K uh, or 6K range, that's how you really get up there, is you have a smaller player pool, your lineups hit when the players do well, and I'd much rather do that than try and get as much players as possible. I think one of my I – think, uh, I think my biggest problem would be trying to have different – to have instead of too many guys, instead of too few guys, too many guys, because I want to have lineups yeah. with different guys. I want to have lineups where I've got everybody with a legitimate chance right. to win. But the problem is I've probably got too many guys in my player pool, so I may need to right. adjust. Yeah, and it's specific to you, right? Like if you're, you know, and it's a percentage, you got to figure out what works. In regular tournaments, maybe it's, you know, with 156 golfers, Maybe it's 25 to 30 golfers that you play in this tournament. Maybe you cut that, you know, down to 20, down to 18. If you if you're rostering 18 players across five lineups, 20 lineups, 150 lineups, like, and your players hit, oh boy. It's a high risk, high reward strategy. If you win, you win big. If you lose, you snooze. Right. Exactly. Right. So let's say, you know, you're putting in 20 bucks into it. Like, you know, that's something that, and again, and we should have mentioned this off the top, please do this responsibly. Do not bet the mortgage. Do not take out the savings account to think you're going to win big in the, in the Millie maker. It is a tough contest. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. You've been playing for a long time and I'm sure you would attest to that, but yeah, um, you hit big. Like that's what, if, we're, if you're entering in GPPs, that's what you want to do. You're either, it's like Ricky Bobby, Dylan. You're either first or you're last. That's it. <laughs> yeah, speaking of first, uh, who do you think wins the Masters? On, who do you think uh, gets the green jacket on Sunday? I have a thing here. Hold on. Oh, actually, it's in my other room. I was going to grab it. I have a, a Bryson DeChambeau hat. Um, I just did some stuff with him uh, over the past month, and he gave us some stuff. But I think it's Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I think he's definitely, you know, primed to win another major. Uh, I think he's got the game to do it. One thing that I worry about, no green books here, right? Guys don't have green books. You got to do based off of feel, which experience, again, plays a huge factor. We know how much Bryson loves his green books and, and using all of his numbers. He'd be my first guy. And my, my second one, I think Webb Simpson, Dylan. I think Webb Simpson is someone that 
you know, has played well here. It is still a talk about driving as a, um, as a stat that you want to focus on, but this is still a second shot course. This is still strokes gain approach to green. We know that who's one of the best it's Webb Simpson. Um, and, and I just like where his number is at. He's plus 3,500 on the DK Sportsbook right now. He's by up those other guys that we might have some question marks on. Webb Simpson hasn't been playing well of recent, but I think he's got, what, a top five, a top 10, and a top 20 in his last three starts here. It's pretty good. And uh, Big D likes uh, Big D likes another one the young way, but uh, I don't think it's Bryson. I think this is the time when Xander Shelfley doesn't finish Ooh. second and finally wins. I love it. Oh, man. How many events has he finished second? It seems like he finished second like 9,000 times. Yeah, he and Tony Finau are competing for the most runner-up finishes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I love, I love it. Xander, like, look, he's a guy that I think is properly – finally he's properly priced, right? Like, he's finally in that price tag where you're like, okay, that makes sense. He's, he's an, an immense talent. So, if he wins, I'm going uh, to be singing your good graces. I'm, I'm not going to be surprised because – Xander is one of the best out there. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, driving approach, I mean, now yeah, Xander's up there. And uh, I think I think this course, I think this course will actually play more like a U.S. Open. And I think Xander will actually be mm. better at this year's Masters than at the other one. Yeah. Because although he finished second the year, Tiger won two years yeah. ago. Yeah. That's but I think, the, I think this yeah. course favored – I think this course is more U.S. Open because of the fast greens and fairways where mm-hmm. I think Xander stands a better chance. Plus, I mean, about time he, about time he wins. I mean, he's, I know he's won four <laughs> times but and contending, what, every major seemingly in the last couple Pretty of much. years. Pretty much, yeah. He's like this – he's like our generation's Louis Oosthuizen. Like, yeah, he doesn't get that where he just gets – I mean, Louis got, you know, the the – what the the all four runner-ups um at these tournaments uh so maybe he's really, yeah no he's better i think he's better than louis yeah although louis won the open at st andrews at that's, true. that's true that's true yep that's true at least he's got I'm one i'm trying to think of the year that i think ricky fell finished top five in all four majors one year and i'm like is louis would louis to be on that list of next golf 2018 or 17 yeah, I remember that. It might have been before that. Um, yeah, I think. I, yeah, you're right. Like he, like it was amazing. And then Tony Finau did the same thing. Yeah, and Ricky's not even. And Ricky's not I even know. invited here. I'm like, what happened? I know my cousin, same last name. He's not even, not even invited. And we we'll get those texts from people back home saying, "Oh, are you playing in the Masters?" Because they see R. Fowler. I'm like, no, I'm not even close. I'm talking about it. I mean, Ricky. I mean, it's funny how like Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth were two of golf of most popular golfers on right. tour, but yet one of them just won for the first time in forever, and the other guy is, well, I don't know where Ricky is. Yeah, he's he's finding something. He's searching. But uh, thanks for having me, Dylan. This has been great. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for you and your fans to do well. Uh, you're providing some great content out there, so keep it up. And uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to the Masters yet again. Having 14 screens, Dylan, up where it's like Amen Corner, where I'm following all my golfers, where I'm watching Golf Channel. I, I, I'm I'm pumped. I'm watching Fantasy National. I got the Rick Rungood live leaderboard. Um, I don't know if he's gonna have it for Augusta, but 
I'm excited, man. Golf, golf in April is, is the start of something for us up here in New England. It's the, it's the signal of spring and golf season is upon us, so I'm pumped. Yeah, major golf and a massive major, major golf starts, and uh, the Masters yeah. in April just feels 99 times better than November. <sighs> Unfortunately, we don't have Tiger, Amen. but uh, yeah. as we've as we've been doing for the last 13 months, life goes on. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate it, bud.